it can feel super overwhelming if you're a one-man band and you are editing, producing, interviewing all yourself. It is super to me, which I'm sure you know of, but if you have somebody out there who's willing to donate their time to help you create your uh, podcast, then sure, bring them on. Welcome to Podcasting in Real Life, the Buzzcast show where we dive into the real-life stories of podcasters in the middle of their podcasting journey. I'm your host, Travis Albritton, head of content at Buzzsprout. And you won't hear anyone famous on these podcast episodes. Instead, you'll hear everyday podcasters just like you share personal stories about how podcasting has impacted them and the things they've learned along the way. Now, in today's conversation, I got to sit down with the host of Pop Nerd Lounge, Steph Pham. And what was really cool about the conversation and just the organic nature that it took on was we consistently came back to the theme of staying true to your purpose. You know, what makes you and your podcast unique, which the longer you're in it, the longer you're putting out episodes, if you're not careful, you will start to gravitate towards, you know, things that you think will help you be successful even if it's at the expense of your why, your purpose. And so I love that that was a part of this conversation. And then also how Steph utilizes seasons and strategic breaks to ensure that the quality of her podcast stays at a high level. Now, Steph started her podcast because she saw a gap in the entertainment reporting space, one that she wanted to fill. I wanted to do a music podcast that focused on the artists and you see like a lot of reports or entertainment journalism where they're like, Oh, this person's dating this person. And they focus more on that versus their actual craft. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to, I want people to actually see what the behind the scenes experience is without the whole gossip and the drama. And so I was like, okay, let's do this. But then once I saw this incredible movie called crazy rich Asians, uh, I was like, I can't just do music. I have to do pop culture. I'm a pop culture nerd. So Let's do it. Let's open it up to pop culture. And thus, Pop Nerd Lounge was born. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so so when you were figuring out like the angle you wanted to take with pop culture and how you wanted to discuss it on your podcast, talk to me a little bit about kind of how you crafted your unique angle on it. Because there is a lot of Entertainment Weekly and articles about movies and music and artists. So how did you kind of figure out your unique spin on something that you enjoyed? Unique spin, which is hard because I know for a lot of creatives, they're like, what makes me stand out? Like whenever they're putting a product out there, especially as podcasters, we're like, out of the half a million podcasts out there, what makes me different? And I decided, I guess it was just me as an interviewer in general, because I wanted to do the research. I wanted to take the time and make the effort to make the interview and the conversation casual, yet like give you the insight that you wanted as a listener. Like if you, I wanted you to be in my seat and like if you wanted to talk to that person, what questions would you ask? And, you know, what you always wanted to know about pop culture, but from like a very humane and very like personal standpoint, because I know a lot of pop culture is like, okay, let's just like pop this out there, plug ourselves, promote ourselves. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I didn't want to take that standpoint. I wanted to actually give people a chance to find out what it's really like to create art and put it out in the world because it is a very vulnerable process 
process. Just as us podcasters know, it's very vulnerable to create a podcast and put it out there. So that's basically how I took my personal spin on it. It was every time I pitched to somebody to be on my podcast, I was like, I want to come from this as inserting empathy in a superficial industry. So that's how I kind of tried to take my personal spin on it. Oh, I love that. Inserting empathy into a superficial industry. That that could absolutely be on a coffee mug or a t-shirt. <laughs> I try. I try. <laughs> so, so when you first got started, you mentioned that you wanted to interview people. What kinds of people were you reaching out to? And, and what was your success rate early on? Because I know for a lot of podcasters, when they're first getting started, that could be a big obstacle. You hit the like nail right on the head. So um, actually, if we're like being really truthful here, um, I was really so I was really naive about who I wanted to reach out to because when I started this, I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna like reach out to like all my favorite people who I've ever wanted to talk to, and they're automatically gonna say yes. Which, which as you know, as podcasters, you're gonna be like, nope, not all of them are gonna say yes. You are gonna get some no's and and. Basically, you learn from that. You're like, okay, not everybody's going to say yes, so you're going to have to find out the people who will. And so I started, like, my dream guest list was, like, the cast of Crazy Rich Asians or, like, other big-profile artists and musicians or actors. And I went through – I actually went through their publicist. I, like, had to hunt down their publicist information or their managers. And, yeah, I got a lot of those uh, fish, like, starting out. But then what turned for me and what actually – created a second season for me and my team was that we looked at people um, maybe who weren't like, you know, as high list of profile people, but they still had a big community. They still had a big following and they were people that we genuinely wanted to talk to because they were different in the entertainment industry. They had a different origin story. Like maybe they left a corporate job to pursue pop culture, something in pop culture, which is like a harrowing story. So we definitely wanted to focus on those kind of people, people who bring a certain kind of vulnerability and humanity in an industry. Like I said, in an industry that is superficial and very imagistic, so therefore we started hunting down like people who were on YouTube or people who were on Instagram promoting art to, you know, help people with mental health or whatever. So yeah, definitely trying to find people who had that special spark. Oh, sorry. Like my lights just <laughs> <laughs> If you're listening to this, the lights just turned off completely in Steph's room. Yes. It, they're automatic lights, but um, so yeah. To go back to that, yeah, it, it was pretty hard to find guests at first, but once we found those people who had that certain spark, we they were like, "Yeah, I'll be on it." I was like, "Okay, let's do this. Let's do." It. And then we just got the ball rolling and set up our guest list and tried to find people who wanted to make a change in pop culture. So, who would you say has been your favorite interview so far? I know it can feel like choosing your favorite child, but Person, if we're really honest, which which interview did you either enjoy doing the most, or felt like was the ended up being the best episode? Really difficult. Um, I would have to say there are a few, but probably one of my favorite interviews would have to be with this dance du- duo called the Easy Twins. They just competed on World of Dance. And, um, they were very, oh my gosh, they were so gracious. Um, I sent them an email. I was like, Hey, this is what I do. I do a podcast. You know, do you want to be on it? 
come to find out they've never done a podcast before. They're all the way in Slovenia. And I was like, okay, let's set this up. So we had to set up time differences. We were like, okay, you're in this country. I'm in this country. Let's make this work. And um, it ended up being a really awesome episode. They were so um, insightful and very, very personal. They didn't, they weren't afraid of being vulnerable and telling their journey about dance. Cause it can be a very, um, just a very harrowing journey to be a dancer and to compete and trying to make your name as a dancer. So they were very open about that. And I enjoyed that part. So yeah, that definitely had to be one of my favorite interviews just because they gave such great insight as to not just as dancers, but as creatives and people who like want to have a similar journey. Like, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm passionate about. And how, here's how I went about pursuing that. Very cool. Yeah. I have my favorites. I don't necessarily advertise them broadly. I, I let people know secretly. You, you were, you were one of my favorites. You were one of my favorites. Don't, <laughs> don't tell the others. They'll get jealous. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I'm curious how your podcast has kind of influenced or impacted your, your daily life. Cause I know for a lot of podcasters, once they start either being a creative or if podcasting is their first time doing something creative, or if they just have that gene, it's not something you kind of isolate in a box and say, okay, these three hours I'm working on my podcast, but then the, the rest of my life is untouched. So I'm curious how having this podcast has kind of impacted your day-to-day? Oh, um, it's impacted a whole lot. Well, first of all, just in general, this is like something I've done that I'm truly happy about in a very long time. I used to actually dance myself, and that was something that really brought joy to my life. But then for a period of time, I just focused on work, and I was like, okay, you know, I'm just going to focus on work, maybe try to elevate myself that way. But I was like, I needed something else, and podcasting really, truly was that because I wanted to have conversations with people, meaningful conversations with people um, in my industry, and it's impacted my life tremendously working along my co-executive producer uh shout out to V and um she's all the way in Singapore but like learning how to network learning how to have better conversations learning the way that you speak and the way that you articulate yourself and present yourself it has impacted my life tremendously and it's helped me have really awesome conversations so yeah definitely podcasting has been one of the great impacts of my life since starting. And I've only been doing this for like eight months. And so it's only up from here is what I see for sure. Yeah. Once, once you figure out, Oh, podcasting scratches an itch. I didn't even realize I had. It's, it's pretty fantastic. (laughs) It is. I definitely agree. I am all about drinking the Kool-Aid. So you mentioned that you have a team that it's not just you working on this podcast, who all is involved in putting episodes together. And then how did that team come together? Oh man, it's just me and my co-executive producer. Um, her name is Vico. She's all the way in Singapore. So how that came about, originally she like helped me out with my um, cover album cover art when we were just starting and she would root me on. She's like, yeah, stop. Let's do this. Like, let's create your podcast. But then um, as soon as I took a break from my first season to produce my second season, we started it together. We were like, okay, let's create an email account so we can look official uh, for our podcast, let's start um, emailing every like man and woman to get on our podcast. She was there to help me produce an email, a guest 
and she was there to help me with social media. She's been an amazing graphic designer. That's kind of where she's at in the world as a graphic designer, but she's exploring other um, things as a creative. So yeah, it's me and her at the moment, but I'm open to like bringing on editors or bringing on other creative people that I know because I am from this industry. Um, I work in the media industry where I know videographers, I know editors. And so I'm definitely open to bringing on a team, but yeah, it's me and her and we are a tag team when it comes to, um, making these episodes and it's been a, a heck of a journey, but we, we definitely love doing it together. Well, and how much does that help you just not feel overwhelmed by all the things that you know go into making a podcast because when you first start it's like oh i just like record myself talk and then share it and then you realize oh no for a 30 minute episode i might spend five or six hours on this and so so talk to me about kind of how working together as a team has helped make you know this podcast more enjoyable and more fulfilling definitely has helped for sure um so she being like the main social media um, person has helped me tremendously focus on um, producing and getting guests together, coming up with interview questions. And she's helped me out with that. And so that way I can focus on the interviews themselves and actually editing. Cause uh, that's where my background is. I come from video. So editing um, the episodes is kind of where I come into play along with hosting. But yeah, it's helped me out a lot because it can feel super overwhelming if you're a one-man band and you are editing, producing, interviewing all yourself. It is super intimidating, which I'm sure you know of. I don't know how large your team is, but uh, yeah, just having another person help, which I definitely recommend to other podcasters, um, you know, it, it could be very brave and very like rewarding to go it on your own. But if you have somebody out there who's willing to donate their time to help you create your uh, podcast, then sure, bring them on because it is such a help and, and it makes it such a more fun process too. You're like, you're like, hey, we did this together. You know, when you see your posts on Instagram, you're like, hey, somebody's liking it. Yay. This is like our work together. So yeah, for sure. It definitely has helped out. Well, and it just takes on a whole different dynamic because podcasting is, can be a very lonely activity. You know, just you planning, doing episodes, publishing, hoping people listen, hoping people respond. It's like, all right, I'm, I'm just, I'm just doing my thing over here. So, so when you have like a like a co-conspirator, so to speak, you have somebody in the fight with you. It's like, all right, we're we're at least in this together, and we can remind each other, yeah, we like doing this instead of just kind of get, getting in your own headspace, you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. And she has definitely told me, she's like, it's what brings me sanity throughout the day. And I'm like, hey, same thing. This is like my little spot of joy throughout the day is whenever I have, a, whenever I have an interview or whenever we get to sit down together, talk about what's the next step, releasing an episode or planning something on social media. Um, yeah, it's definitely a bright spot in our day because we, we get to work together. We get to produce this thing that we're releasing into the world. We're like, okay, you know, we don't know if anybody's going to listen, but we're just going to work on this together. And if it's for us, it's for us. And so, yeah, definitely having a co-conspirator is another bonus to creating a podcast. Well, and, and one thing that I'm curious about, and I think this will be really valuable for, for anyone listening that does have multiple uh, fingers in the pie, so to speak, multiple people working on the episodes is what your what your your workflow looks like. Like who picks up which tasks? Do you have like a specific order or system that you follow? Is it more organic? How do you prepare for interviews? How do you approach the edit process? Like I'm just really curious what goes into actually 
making an episode of your podcast? So the first step is to actually, since we are an interview-based um, podcast, we have to think, okay, do we have enough people to create a season? Or who do we talk to? Because we don't want to just invite people on just to invite people on. They have to be the right person for our philosophy, our mantra, and our mission of our podcast. So what we do is uh, when we took a break, we were like, sitting down and we just opened up a Google sheet spreadsheet and write and wrote down who we want to invite. And then her and I tag team emailing people. So we created an email to send out to people and then her and I, so we basically sit down together. We email people. Once we have somebody booked on her and I sit down together and we brainstorm questions. So it's not just me working on the questions, but her and I together produce the questions that are going to the interview. I'm the one that, um, records and interviews a person but her and I work together like with posts she gives me notes on you know how this episode sounds and if this needs tweaking or whatnot and I'm the one that edits it but she is the one that gets it promoted out into the world she's the one that is designated with graphic design social media and anything to do with graphics like if I have a media kit which I recommend podcasters have is a media kit um, I can delve into that later if you need to but yeah she's the one that handles a lot of the artistic and aesthetic side as well as the producing side she has a great detailed oriented perspective so she can tell me if something sounds great something doesn't sound great and she's basically like my right hand person when it comes to that stuff nice now i am curious how you use your media kit and and for people that are unfamiliar with that term if you could just really quickly define it and then also explain how you utilize it so a media kit basically uh for anybody who hasn't heard of your podcast that is your sales pitch to anybody who wants to get involved in your podcast as a guest, as a sponsor, a collaborator, and you basically outline what your podcast is about, who you are as a host, and um, if you want to, I didn't include this in my media kit, but you can include stats, like how many people listen to your media kit, because sometimes that is attractive to sponsors. They're like, okay, if, like 10,000 people listen to your podcast, sure, we want to give you some money, so that way you, you, you know, we can get something back, you know, if we advertise with you. So it is an outline of what your podcast is about, why it is attractive to collaborate with your podcast, and it's helped me out, because... Um, that's where my guests find out what my show is about. Like, it's very hard to write this essay and email, like, this is what my show is about. This is my show description or whatever. This is why you should collaborate. I'm like, it's easier to much go, hey, read this media kit. This is why you should join. And, and I always tell people, list your mission statement first, like who you are, what your podcast is about, because that is what they're going to see first. And that's going to be the trigger if they're going to collaborate with you or not. So it's helped me out tremendously because that's what people will read. And they're like, hey, I love what your podcast is about. Let me hop on. I'm like, yes. So yeah, it's a it's a huge help for sure. Right. And, and essentially what you're when you create a media kit, you're trying to create the best first impression you can. Right. Especially when you're reaching out to people that have never heard of you. They don't know who you are, what you're about, what you're asking. And so this is you know, essentially like a PDF booklet that you attach to the email to say, this is why this is a worthy investment of your time. And this is how it, it benefits you personally to come on our podcast. And you can, you know, design it really well, which I'm guessing that's where your your, your partner in crime was able to help make it look really awesome. You're, you're essentially saying like, we're legit. 
this is what we stand for. This is why we'd be a great fit for you. And, and you're, you're doing that once so then you can use it over and over and over again. Uh, and once you figure out what people respond to and what they ask questions about, you can refine it over time so you have this really awesome, rock-solid sales pitch, which is essentially what it is, is we're selling you on the idea of being on our podcast. Oh, totally. Because I was, so I was from the journalism industry, and that's what I studied my degree in. And I remember being in a class, and she taught us about elevator pitches. And basically, what for anybody who doesn't know an elevator pitch is, you have 30 seconds to sell whatever product or whatever, um, you know, thing that you're trying to sell, you have 30 seconds to sell it and you have to make your best first impression. And that intimidated the heck out of me. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm not very good on my feet, but sure, let's let's think of something that'll hook people in. And that's the reason why they want to collaborate with you. And essentially, your media kit is the same thing. It's your first impression. That's your elevator pitch. You're exactly right. That's like their tie to, hey, that's why I want to collaborate with you because um, I like your personality, I like your energy, or I like what your podcast is about. I think I could contribute this quote-unquote expert information for your show to help it make it look more legit. So yeah, definitely a media kit is such a great help whenever you're trying to book people on or trying to find sponsors or whoever that you're trying to collaborate with. So I want to pivot a little bit here and talk about uh, maybe some interactions or some cool stories that you've had with people that listen to your podcast. Because I know for me, like I get so much fulfillment and encouragement whenever somebody that listens to my podcast either reaches out or you know gets in touch with me and messages me and is like, hey, this podcast has made a big impact on my life and here's why. It just makes my day. And so I'm, I'm curious if you have any stories like that. Oh, yeah. Um, which is totally amazing by the way that's yeah it it makes your day and you're like oh this is why i do what i do and so one story that i have is i released an episode with the huff post editor she um she does asian voices so she reports on asian american stories and i did an interview with her and somebody on twitter had tweeted me that they related to what we were talking about because they are asian um they well they were asian canadian but they're like i had similar experiences because I am a daughter of an immigrant, and I could relate to what Kimmy was going through with either, like, people or, um, you know, not giving her opportunities because of her race or what she was describing throughout her interview, having an Asian-American journalistic experience. So that, for me, is a huge reason why I do what I do because, yes, I talk about pop culture, but one of the things I'm super passionate about is Asian representation, being an Asian – American journalist and needing more stories out there about Asian Americans. So yeah, um, that hit home really hard. And just when people are like, hey, you know, a really cool interview about, you know, with this musician, because I'm a creative and I really enjoyed like hearing how hard it was for them to start out hearing how hard it was for them to hear all the no's in the beginning, but then they like trudged on. So it definitely is a bright spot in your day when you're like, hey, I actually, you know, brought out this really amazing experience for somebody that they could relate to. So yeah, it's such, oh, it's such a high whenever you're a podcaster, but it's why we do what we do, essentially. Well, and I think it's so important because that that helps you just connect back to the people you are trying to serve in some way, right? It is, is very easy in creator culture, 
And I think this is something that we kind of pick up from YouTubers, but it's definitely in podcasting as well, where you kind of idolize and worship the stats, you know, like in YouTube, the getting to the 100K subscriber mark or the million subscriber mark. And then, you know, on podcasting, it's how many downloads am I getting on every episode? And that can just kind of become the 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 rat race that can become the mouse on the wheel just continuing to try and pursue a ever changing goalpost and so having those human interactions connects you back to the fact that behind every single one of those numbers is a person that is choosing out of all the things they could do in their life to listen to you and what you have to say and and just the the joy and the responsibility that we all have to to do right by that Oh, totally. Um, I, where was it? I, I found a meme on Instagram and it was, uh, I believe it was Kronk from the Emperor's New Groove and there, he, like there was two of them. And then like he had kind of like a disappointed face on the top part and it says only 20 listeners on my podcast. And on the bottom one was 20 listeners who enjoyed and had a great experience with my podcast, Mission Complete. And he has like the smile on his face. And I'm like, that's exactly why I do what I do. It doesn't matter about huge numbers. I do this to connect with people and to give them a better experience in a world that I think they deserve it. Because like you stated in our pre-interview, there's the Us Weeklies, there's the Entertainment Weeklies, there's... um, the um, ETs are like, you know, what's happening. I won't like give shade to like all of this because some of them have great entertainment reporting. Um, I actually did an interview with the Entertainment Weekly writer, but you know, focusing on like this world that people enjoy, but they want to get in a deeper perspective of it. Yeah, that's exactly why I do what I do, and it, it's such a humbling experience when somebody is like, yeah, this was a great experience. So thank you for giving that kind of insight into this world. So you mentioned a couple times that you do seasons with your podcast. And so I want to ask you more about that decision process, because I would call that more rare than not. It's much more common for podcasts to just put out a episode every week and just continue until you're, you're, you know, you can't talk anymore. Um, so talk to me a little bit about the strategy behind choosing to do seasons and then how you approach that. Ooh, uh, so originally that wasn't even a plan. Um before my co-conspirator and I officially teamed up, that wasn't even the plan because I wanted to do weekly episodes on it. And then it became hard to find people to interview. There was a point, I think it was November or December of 2018, where I was like, oh, geez, who am I going to interview? Who, who was my next guest? And that's when I hit the pause button. And I was like, I'm going to be right back, you guys. I'm going to take a little break. We're going to take a little break. And then I will come back for a better season for you. We're going to figure out what the game plan is. We're going to deliver better episodes for you. So the the decision to do separate seasons was simply because I wanted to deliver a better experience for people. Take time. Actually do batch recordings, which um, I don't know how many podcasters out there do this, but you interview several people and you set them up for like episodes that you're going to release consistently. And that's what I wanted to do because... That's something that I didn't have before because I would have an interview one week and then maybe two weeks later I would release an episode or whatever. So there was never any consistency. So to do batch recordings and release them seasons was something I wanted to do to deliver better content for people. You know, it might not be the traditional format of releasing podcast episodes. It's more of a TV thing, I believe. But I didn't want to focus on... Um, releasing an episode for the sake of releasing an episode. I wanted to release episodes that people were going to have a genuinely good experience with. So that 
that's essentially why I decided to do things in seasons. So I can take a break, breathe and not wear out my voice and come back with really great interviews that people are going to be, yeah, I enjoyed that for sure. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where that decision came up was we decided to come up with a schedule and do it in seasons rather than like week by week do episodes. And what I love about that mindset is you're elevating the quality of your episodes over putting out quantity uh, because your listeners definitely appreciate that. Like, and I think too often uh, you kind of assume, oh, I have to do it this way in order for it to meet my goals. Uh, but just ta- taking a step back saying, well, based on what I'm trying to do, what's the best way to approach this, both for me personally, so I don't get burned out, and then also for my audience, so that when they tune in to listen, it's worth listening to. Because there have definitely been podcasts where I'm like, dude, why, why did you release this episode? It's very clear you're just trying to fill a slot. Why, why don't you just say, we're going to take a, a one-month break and we're going to come back. Like, I can appreciate that as a human being. I understand that you need breaks too. You're not some robot sitting in front of a microphone. And so, so I definitely encourage people to consider doing seasons, even if they do a weekly podcast. You know, like I have personally have a podcast that puts out three episodes a week, but then every 20 weeks I take a break. It's like, all right, guys, that was the end of the season. We'll be back on the state in the future. And that gives me time to breathe, to like consider changes, to let the podcast evolve. And then I don't feel like I'm a, I'm a slave to the, to the creature that I created, you know? Oh, definitely. Um, because I feel like the whole like creating, creating, creating culture came from YouTube, not that to place blame on any, any one social media um, platform, but people who are influencers are like, I had, it's kind of that mindset that we talked about earlier, what it was stats or number of followers, subscribers, they're like, I have to keep creating, or else I'm going to lose people. And yes, that's a fear. And pod fading um, is a fear as well. But you also have to realize, like you said, we're humans, we have to give ourselves rest. And we have to give ourselves a chance to breathe and to produce something that people actually want to listen to. And I think that's something that um, we often as forget as podcasters. We're like, we have to think of the listener as first. This is a really cool experience for us to do. We get to interview people. We get to have this experience um, putting podcasts out there. But at the same time, we have to think of the listener first. And I think that's like the golden rule of podcast is you have to think of the listener first and what they would want to listen to, what they're going to devote 30 minutes to an hour, however long your podcast is. What you ha- They have to devote that time, whether in their car or whatever activity they're doing. They're going to sit with you and it has to be worth their time. So yeah, seasons I definitely encourage as well. It's because it's it's a good chance to like make sure that your content is the best that it can be. Well, and and it's easy to get up and get caught up in trying to do stuff every single week, but then you forget that as new people discover your show, they have this entire back catalog of episodes that they could binge through if they really want to hear more from you. Um, and so it's it's not like you can't rely on the episode you've already created to continue to serve people, once you have a nice inventory of things, you know, a nice back catalog, then it makes it easier to, you know, justify for yourself, hey, I'm going to take a break. You know, you can always go back and listen to other episodes, older episodes, you know, let me know what you think and, and, and keep the conversation going that way without having to burn yourself out. And I think so much of it just has to do with self-awareness, just knowing what you personally can do. And if you're a single mom that's working two jobs with three kids and you have a podcast, what you can do looks very different than a 20-year-old college student who's taking 12 hours, right? And so just just being real with yourself, being real with what you can and can't do 
to set yourself up for success so you don't burn out and then lose the opportunity you could have had if maybe you had a more strategic plan from the beginning. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Because burnout is a real thing. And <laughs> we, like I said, we get into this mindset that we have to create, to cre- ah, create, create, create to engage with people, which is not the case. Like you said, if you're taking a break, you can always be like, hey, listen to our previous episodes, which I've done. I'm like, hey, you know, check out these previous episodes. You'll really like this conversation. If you're into music, you'll really like this conversation. While we take a break, you can check these out and we'll have brand new episodes for you come this date. And it just gives you a chance to really think about what you want to release to the world. So yeah, I definitely encourage people to do that for sure. And so when you are uh, getting ready to start a season, or like, for instance, the next season coming up for your show, because uh, I believe you're on a break now. Is that is that correct? Correct. Um, we are actually launching pretty soon, but yes, I'm on a break, yeah. So so do you, how many episodes do you try and have in the can, done, finished, when you start your season? Do you do the entire season before you launch, or like four episodes, or what does that look like? So what we wanted to do with this upcoming season is we wanted to actually have a complete season in the can before we launch, just so that way we know we have content to release out there. And um, a season for me, what we wanted to aim was a season of 10 episodes, um, 10 solid episodes. I know that doesn't seem like a lot, but um, that'll give you 10 weeks of content. And we were just like, okay, we want to deliver the best kind of content. And that seemed manageable for me because I was like, okay, let me hunt down at least 10 to maybe possibly 15 people and we'll get all these awesome interviews edited, produced and recorded and everything. And yeah, it, it definitely was, let's take time to see what we are able to do. Like you said, being realistic with yourself, let's see what we can manage because uh, myself and my co-conspirator both have our pay the bills job, our full-time job. And so we're like on top of our, whoops, sorry, on top of our crazy schedule, uh, what, what are we able to manage? So yeah, it definitely is being real with yourself. And I wanted a, a reasonable number to where you had content, but you weren't like constantly searching for it. So I, I think 10 was a reasonable number for me to start out with for this upcoming season. No, that's a that's a great number, especially if it's intentional and you know it's going to be high quality and you're going to deliver on the promise that you're making to your listeners. And and I like to remind people there's this very ex- extremely popular podcast that only puts out 1 to 2 episodes per year and it's always in the top 200, which is uh hardcore history. They're like these 5 and a half, 6 hour podcast episodes. And and you know, it's one or two a year, but you're always people love that podcast. And it's all about creating the expectation, setting the, 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 I guess, the terms and conditions, so to speak, of what your podcast is going to be about, setting the expectation for the listener, and then following through on that. That's, that's really the key component. It's not about how frequently you publish episodes, but it's about what your listeners are expecting, and then you keeping your promise to them. Oh, for sure. Because it is essentially creating your brand. And um, people are going to respect you for you know, having integrity for delivering on your promise rather than, hey, we're just going to release this episode so you have something to listen to. Because I have heard some podcasts out there, I won't name any names, but I've heard some podcasts out there where maybe the audio quality wasn't that great and you can't stick through the whole episode because the interviewer or the interviewee sounds like they're going through a tunnel in their car. And, you know, it's definitely keeping things in mind whenever you're producing episodes like the audio quality or the content of your questions. 
And yeah, delivering on your promise. I, I definitely respect that more than somebody who's just going to chugga, 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 like episodes out into the world. But if you do that, that's your process. And I respect that as well. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just for me personally, my, my perspective and my route to this podcasting journey was that I had to take time to really make sure that I'm producing something that I'm proud of and something that somebody wants to listen to. Awesome. Well, Steph, this has been fantastic. I've loved just getting to chat about your podcast and your journey. Uh, I've got one final question for you before I let you go, which is if you had a time machine that could go back to the day before you started your podcast and give yourself one piece of advice, what would you say to yourself? If I had to give myself one piece of advice, it would be definitely start out with somebody who can help you. Um, and people, they start out with teams. Um, I didn't. I was a lone podcaster. My my friend helped me, but she wasn't officially my co-conspirator at that moment. And I would tell myself, yeah, definitely start with somebody helping you out because it relieves a lot of responsibility and it relieves you feeling overwhelmed. And it just makes the journey that much more fun that you have somebody alongside with you like, hey, we produced this product together. So I would definitely tell myself to... Um, uh, have a conspirator. And actually, if I had another piece of information I would tell myself is to continue being thoughtful about your questions that you ask, because I'm getting testimonials back about, I asked people who I have interviewed, Hey, could you drop me like a one to two sentence Yelp review about your experience? And so that way I learn. And they have been so super kind. And they're like, you actually asked really insightful questions. And I'm like, thank you. That means a lot. Like I'm going to take that like humbly and like gratefully because I want you to have a good experience. I don't want you answering the same old questions that you always answer, which is always what I recommend podcasters is definitely do the research. Think about what you're going to ask. So yeah, I would definitely tell myself to keep thinking about the questions that you're going to ask your interviewee. If you are a pop culture enthusiast who isn't into the gossip that normally goes with it, Make sure to check out Pop Nerd Lounge's website by clicking on the link in the episode notes and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Do you wish that you could be featured on a future episode of Podcasting in Real Life? Well, you can. All you have to do is click on the link in the show notes to submit your application. And if today's episode inspired you or resonated with you, uh, I would love to hear your thoughts. Just leave a review in Apple Podcasts to let me know what you thought. And I'm also curious what your biggest takeaway was from today's episode. And so if you haven't left a review yet, go ahead and throw that extra detail in there as well. I'd love to hear what you think. Well, that is it for today. Thanks for listening. And as always, keep podcasting.